it's like as if this little portal to an alternate universe right. opened up and then this one song fell out. You're like, oh, wait, come back. <laughs> this, is, this isn't enough. I, I wasn't expecting us to talk about it on the show, but Brendan mentioned it and said, you know what? Why, why wouldn't you think we would talk about that? Well, we're usually movie TV guys on the show. It's true. It's true. But there are... There's plenty of movie and TV stuff to talk about with these guys, so I figure yeah. we can make it work. <laughs> not that we're not going to talk about the music, because you're damn right. We can work it out. Yes. We can work it out. What spurred this, as Chad is talking about, is that, um, I mean, literally last week or the week before, time is a flat circle, <laughs> yeah. they, uh, they released what they were calling the final Beatles song. It... it uh, you know, that's an event. I remember when, of course, when the anthology came out and the idea that there were two new Beatles songs, that was a mind blower. Yeah. Uh, and I know that Chad and I are both Beatles fans. Uh, judging from the display behind Chad, he is a much more financially invested Beatles fan. But well, at the same time, <laughs> no, no, I'm just, I'm joking. Th- these are things I've acquired you know, decades ago for the most yes, part. Yes, yes. I mean, look at the VHS and, like, copies. Recent, but yeah. 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 The thing is, we're both Beatles fans going way back. Uh, friendship in general, there's a lot more to it than common interests. But, but Chad and I, our Venn diagram always kind of includes things like Superman. Uh, it, comics in general, but Superman specifically. And mm-hmm. I just remember we would also have long conversations about the Beatles. I remember this. I don't know if you remember this. Because Chad and I would occasionally do sort of crossover things. Because he would open for my band um doing his solo stuff but we would sometimes do duet stuff Mm -hmm. and of course it's like yeah let's do some bowie let's do some beatles and i gotta say our voices blend very nicely do you remember driving around just in your car and like trying beatles songs and like going well you do the paul harmony oh no no, 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 no." (laughs) i i i loved that it was always great it's like who's gonna take the high part all right you try this um And I remember like an entire afternoon of us just harmonizing and doing old Beatles tunes, and that mm-hmm. was awesome. Well, we did we did play at one of those Zuzu's, uh, one of the ZZP Zuzu's shows, and yeah. you brought me out to sing um, "I'm Only Sleeping." Do you remember yes. that? Yes. Yeah, you and me yeah. and Patrick White. Yeah, that's right. Oh, fun stuff. Uh, yeah. Those are the days. So basically, yes, we're both big Beatles fans. I'm sure this meant something to both of us. Uh, it certainly meant something to me, and it. At this point, is it real, like, fan enthusiasm? Yes. But is it also kind of morbid curiosity? Yes. (laughs) And I don't mean that in any kind of way. It's just that you sit there going, like, these tapes were given to Paul a million years ago. Well, not a million years ago, but Yoko did say, I trust you with these. Here you go. Do what you want with them. John would approve. I approve. That's Mm -hmm. great. Mm -hmm. And out of that, we got one in my opinion, one great new Beatles song and a, and a decent other one. And so in 2023, you're sitting there going like, well, what was left? Mm-hmm. Because in order to have John's participation, obviously the songs are going to be John's songs that he had recorded before he left. Before he left. That's a nice way of putting it. And, and so you're sitting there going, well, I think they picked the two most obvious ones, which was Free as a Bird and, and Real Love. Yeah. And so what was left, well, they did some amazing stuff. So 
we should talk about the song, but uh, we should, of course, also eventually talk about why we love the Beatles so much. Yeah. Um, we're not there. We're not at that generation. We are the generation after. But I think both of us were probably formed by them from an early age. They have so much to do. And I'll, I'll, I guess we're talking about it now. They, oh, yeah. Do the bio. Let's do the they bio. Have, they have so much to do with my overall philosophy of creativity because they embody everything about it because they – and friendship too because the, it's the thing that makes them work so well. There's so many layers to these guys. Yeah. They're funny. They're just naturally charismatic and funny guys together. They have great chemistry together. Yes. You can see in the interviews in the early days that they loved hanging out. They, they enjoyed the whole experience of being who they were and what they were yeah. doing. But they were also incredibly clever and and uh, adventurous in a way that I don't think any popular artist had been up to that point. Not yes. that there weren't other adventurous artists. If Frank Zappa was coming around right around yeah. the same time as they were, but he wasn't mainstream. The reason the Beatles always get so much more credit than everybody else is because they made experimental stuff and progressive art commercial. And they, they prove that you can be adventurous and, and daring and bold and, and, uh, and still sell records, you know? So yeah. that's, that, that's why that's what transformed the industry is because there was money. People realized there was money in <laughs> innovation in music. They're, they're the guys who did that. Whether they had set out to do that or not, that's what they just naturally gravitated towards. And it's beautiful. And it, they were uh, bolstered by the fact that they were lucky enough to be discovered by the right people at the right time. There was Brian Epstein who, you know, he did kind of try to rein them in to have them behave and present themselves, you know, professionally to a degree. But really the, the magic started happening when they met George Martin. Because he was sort of a kindred spirit creatively. Yes. He, he, he saw, he, he realized when he, when he met them that they, they were kind of diamonds in the rough, but he saw what they were capable of. And that, <laughs> that that's really just incredible that they met that guy one day. I will say everything, amen, brother. But I will also say it's, you try not to, uh, you know, when you borderline worship, <laughs> um, uh, people or creators or whatever it's it's a okay you have to go yeah they're people they they did probably some terrible things and and uh you know they they're human but what i'm always struck by it's not just any of those elements it's the fact that they all came together that's the thing where you sit there going that has to be a divine plan because every one of those little bits I have known incredibly talented people in my life who should be known, you know, and it's like, well, I'm sad that it never happened for them. Uh, I've known incredibly charming people, uh, funny people that the public would love. Uh, I've known people who've had great success in certain fields, whether they deserved it or not, but, you know, stars aligned, it all worked out. That's great. But the combo, just like you're talking about, these four people and it wasn't all at once as we know as you dig into it it was like a step-by-step thing i mean there had to be the sorry Stu, sorry pete you know that kind of stuff it's like hey uh starkey come on over here play some songs with us and you know it's just every little step was no doubt a challenge but it was still 
kismet. It's unbelievable that a Brian Epstein would be in the picture. They couldn't have been the Beatles without him. Uh, it's amazing that a George Martin, who that is an unlikely figure to even be involved with a rock band. And yet he is so instrumental. So every step of the way, you're like going, it was meant to be because mm-hmm. uh, they were individually talented and continue to be the, the two that are still with us. But it was just, you had to have those four people together and the world responded. The entire world responded. And I, you know, I can say the same things about, there's no reason a truck driving teenager from, you know, Mississippi uh, should have become the king of rock and roll. There's all kinds of little things where you sit and go, the people we know of as icons, um, it almost is tempting to say, well, that was meant to be. This is how legends are made. So it's, uh, I'm lucky that when I was a kid, uh, my dad and mom, who were not really into, uh, you know, your mileage may vary. They weren't really into rock. My dad was a folky, uh, and he due to his job, also liked some country and Western and that kind of stuff. Blues, he loved blues, he loved Ray Charles. But really, as far as rock, not a huge guy. Uh, He listened to whatever was on the radio. And my mom was all opera and classical music and Mm. Broadway show scores and things like that. So the fact that eventually uh we come along me and my brother and the first lps i remember us having besides like a disney <laughs> like a couple of disney's like uh sing along hits was um uh in elvis's greatest hits uh and uh meet the beatles and it's like elvis and the beatles right there my introduction to rock and roll and it just never went away so I was like, it's almost as if they're like, here are the primers. There you go. Yeah. Do with that as you will. And uh, so Beatles are some of my first music. And man, it goes straight to the vein. Love them. So do you remember, I mean, your parents actually listening to those records at any point? Or was I it just so. you discovered I think so. it? I mean, I or was think. Or did your brother find it first? Uh, no, it was definitely the, the, the folks. And then, yeah. of course, we liked it. And yeah. then Robin older brothers you know for one thing they get money first uh because they (laughs) they start doing chores and they they start getting allowances and eventually i did too but i do remember robin would uh probably pester the folks to get more and we ended up with the entire beatles catalog um and of course other stuff it wasn't just beatles 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 robin was really into barry manilow Let's make sure we we put this on record so that the entire world knows that my older brother was crazy for Manilow. Anyway, uh, but I'll go ahead and uh, and fully admit that as a kid, I had two Village People albums. <laughs> anyway, so it was the 70s and I was a child and I liked the way they all dressed up. Anyway, um, <laughs> so the whole thing was, yes, and talking about like um, me and you singing along and harmonizing and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The first real singing I ever did as a kid was me and Robin. And it was also my first Robin was the one who was like figuring out harmony 
and I just would sing melody lines because obviously the songs were so catchy. And I'm like, uh, I remember me and Robin, like as kids doing chains, chains, my baby's got me locked up in chains. I mean, I, like literally the early stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I remember me and Robin singing along. Uh, and then him hitting me over and that's a joke. <laughs> but anyway, so yes, it goes, it goes that deep and it was a continuing thing, even from when we were kids. And of course the movies we would see on TV. Um, I, you know, we, me and you were born while they were still together it, and, uh, just pretty yeah. amazing that, yeah. uh, yeah, they were going to let it be an Abbey Road. Yep. And of course, I also say, like, I saw the moon landing. I just don't remember it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, four I was months in my old. dad's lap when that happened. As he was we so had a family photo of um, my mom uh, with me as an infant on her knee and her pointing at this little glowy uh, square. And you can't see any detail. But she's like, you have to trust me. That was the moon landing. It's just the the, the camera wasn't good. But that yeah. photo was destroyed in Katrina, like everything else. But uh, there there yeah. was a a thing of her going, they're walking on the moon, and I'm going, <laughs> um, which this was last week. Anyway, <laughs> so what about you? Yeah, was it I, I, your dad just like? totally sitting there token out going like you're gonna dig this shit infant chad <laughs> i don't no, know why funny. i decided oh, that i was thinking about this uh, earlier because i figured we would we would get into this this aspect of it um i there there are two things where i think uh i how i discovered the beatles initially and it was partially uh, well hugely this copy of sergeant pepper you see behind me which is my parents Oh, that's mono, the original one that you had? Yeah. Oh, nice. Mono pressing of pepper. And there's a whole story about that I'll get into in a minute. But yeah, this this record was really, I think, I, I'm a little blurry on this now. I don't know if they actually had a copy of Rubber Soul or if I just mm. remember that being around later. Because I know my stepmother had a copy after my parents got divorced. So I think maybe they had Rubber Soul. I, th- I think I've asked my mom. She said, yeah, we have Rubber Soul. But I don't really know if that's <laughs> true or not. I don't think I, if they had it, I don't think I listened to it because I was far more interested in this as a kid. Of course, yeah. I was more interested in the colorful, crazy stuff. Yeah. So that and the cartoons, which I believe came on when we moved to Houston. I never on, saw those in the until I was an adult. School. I never saw the Beatles cartoons until I was yeah. an adult. And that – that must have been, you know, just a mid early seventies. Mid, they probably stopped being in syndication at some point in the seventies because I never remember seeing them after that. But I remember being. I would ask. I think I just dug it because of the music and the silliness of the cartoons. Mm-hmm. And that, that's when my mom started educating me about them and probably uh, pointed me towards this record. Say, by the way, here's one of the records you can listen to it. So I used to spin this thing. I had I had a Fisher Price uh, turntable <laughs> that I would play play this and my Star Wars soundtracks on. So it is beat to hell, but it's. T- it's so the, the funny story with this later because this really was the only Beatles record I was familiar with uh, huh. up until I was like twelve or thirteen. Interesting. When I was a freshman in high school, that's when I really started expanding my collection uh, through the encouragement of a, a friend uh, I met that that year in French class, um, whose name is escaping me right now. It's okay. Oh, Sean, Sean Clark. Oh, um, I never know what happened to him. He was he was a really cool guy. And he Sean, if you're listening, uh, let us know. He, he pointed me towards this book, Beatles Forever. By I remember Schaffner. that book. Mm-hmm. 
still one of the best books about the Beatles ever written, even though it's and now we know it's full of a bunch of factual errors, but it's just sure. because I mean, Nicholas, nobody knew any better at the time. These, these books, this one too, shout by Philip Norman. Shout. The other one I remember. Yeah. Another great book. These are both sort of Lenin centric and kind of almost a little, because there was a sense, a really popular theory at the time that Paul was the one who really ruined the Beatles by being a, a you know, a commanding, you that, know, really that, controlling is, that is one of the narratives. Yeah. Now we know that's not really, it's more complicated than that basically as yeah. they get back. on shows. But anyway, around the time I was in high school, I was a PBA, I think. And I'd, I'd expanded my collection. I'd bought, um, I'd gotten a magical mystery tour. I'd gotten mm-hmm. revolver, the American pressings of revolver. Cause they still at this point, this is before CD. So we didn't have the, the British versions. So these my are the first American CD, pressings. When, when CDs were created, the first one I got was pepper. That oh, was yeah. the first CD I ever bought. Oh, actually I put these out. I forgot about this. Oh, so, oh, we had it, the red and blue. Did oh, you yeah, have the red okay, and blue? I never got that. Oh, no, we did, had I, the red and blue when we were kids. This was actually one of my favorites, even though it's not a real uh, album. It's just a, Hey Jude, yeah. remember this one? Yeah, I do. A really weird selection of singles. But it, yeah. it had, uh, the reason I love this so much, it has rain on it. Mm-hmm. Rain and old brown shoe. So <laughs> it, it, it's just a it's just great, a great collection of songs. I think but, uh, pretty uh, early on in their fame, it became like anything they do, we can put out anything they do <laughs> and it'll yeah. sell. We can do the weirdest. It's like a one-off thing. My favorite Beatles song is still, uh, you know, my name, look up the number. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was fantastic. Uh, oh I, my God. I, was, I think it was when I was 15, when I was a uh, sophomore at PBA, uh, my friend Terry, Terry Reynolds, was asked me to make a tape of a dub a tape of her uh, for of Sergeant Pepper, make make a tape for her of Sergeant Pepper since she didn't have yeah. a copy of it and she wanted to listen to it for some reason. So I said okay, um, but this was the only copy I had and it was scratched to hell. And I realized that this isn't going to be a good introduction for her. So I said, yeah, I should probably buy a better copy of it anyway. So I took some of my allowance money and went to either Cactus Records or Sound Warehouse and bought a new pressing of it not having any idea that there was a difference between mono and stereo. This yeah. was 1985 by this point. So the, st- the mono versions were not impressed. They weren't in print anymore. I don't remember States. what version we had as kids, honestly. Yeah. So I listened to it. And the, and the thing that's funny about the Beatles, especially their early records, particularly Sgt. Pepper and some of their later ones too, Revolver as well. I think a white album, there's some differences too, but there's, there's some really notable differences between the stereo and the mono mixes. Mm. And there's actually really, really noticeable differences with Pepper in a couple of places. Uh, one of them being the animal noises at the end. I was about to say. Yeah. And uh, there are other things too, like the laugh that happens. There's a, the mono version has this laugh erupt during mm-hmm. the, uh, the reprise when the drums come in. And then I listened to the stereo version and that wasn't there. And then the, 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 the uh, the animal noises goes on longer, I think, on the stereo version, if I'm remembering correctly. Huh. And I remember listening to it and going, my my musical brain, which wasn't really trained yet, but the, the memory that I had, yeah, I was like my my. It was like somebody was twisting my brain. I was like, "What you happened? have? It they, they changed the album. <laughs> what happened?" It, so it, it wasn't it's, until after that I realized what the differences between mono and stereo. It's true with the Talking Heads. Stop making sense too, and possibly all of their catalog, you have a real detail brain. Like in other words, you have memorized them. To, I'm sure that I might pick up on that, but I might not 
because I've heard both and all. And to me, as long as it sounds like what it sounds like, though, I mean, the only thing where I'm where it really hits home is when you hear things like, uh, uh, what is it? Let it be naked. Um, like things where they've literally remixed and yeah. changed things around. And you're like going, wow, I just never mm-hmm. heard that line before. Like, wow, mm-hmm. that, that bass thing that Paul's doing is unbelievable. And it, it's just like when uh, the Rick Rubin uh, McCartney 321, ser- you know, little series that came mm-hmm. out on Apple, which I really loved, even though I kind of was like, keep going, man, get yeah. more into it, get more into the weeds. But the whole idea of him at the mixing board, pulling stuff down and going, look at what George is over to like, over here, and just like isolating tracks. And you're like going, damn. Um, one of the things that I loved and I've read those books and I think you have it behind you. Do you have the complete recordings? The, um, the, mm-hmm. is that the white one there? Mm-hmm. No, I do have uh, one of those at somewhere. Oh, I this, know what this a... I was going to talk about. This is a really weird guitar. Oh no. I guitar yeah, that book one. my mom bought for me at Harrods in London. <laughs> no, uh, cause, the cause you, but you know, the book I'm talking about, which is yes. the, the, the recording the uh, book, which oh yeah, sorry, that, that's over here. Uh, ah. This is an early, this is an early version of that. The Mark oh, Wilson you've got book. the hardcover. Yeah, this is the original, the first one he put out. He's yeah. now rolled this into a bigger collection. I have that over there somewhere on a different bookshelf. That, that thing's was, out of print, by I, the way. I wish is. you kept the uh, dust jacket in better shape. <laughs> well, this is because I just I I and I time for some mylar, Chad. <laughs> I, I inhaled this book basically. No, I, I, it's the same here, and I'm not even a techie, but being a Beatles fan, being able to go day by day, minute by minute, and know like this is where they did the vocal overdubs of blah blah blah, and I'm eating it up. Plus, mm-hmm. it also has lots of cool little things like uh, you know John had stepped out for a sandwich here. <laughs> it's really like you're there with them, and you realize how hard they worked even when they were stoned off their gourds, it's like, good Lord, man, they're like spending 10 hours on like one pass on a song. You're like, God, they this are. This is one of my, you're talking to us about us driving around, harmonizing, listening and stuff. Uh, one of, one of the things that was happening around that time, I don't know if you remember this, you remember sound waves, which was on West timer at the time. It was uh yes, yes, yes. A, a small, but a very, had a very extensive collection of stuff there. That was a great story to stay. And I remember it was one of those places I could go to where they would always have what I was looking for, whatever it was that was on my, I want to, I want to get a copy of this. Go there. If they had it. Like I would go to cactus sometimes in those days and they'd be like, Oh, sorry. We just sold out. Like, God damn it. Or sound warehouse wouldn't have it. Sound waves that knows they always had everything back in those days, but they also had this notoriously, they had a, a selection of bootlegs, which they referred to as imports, <laughs> 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 which were very exorbitantly priced. But yeah. uh, this was back when the CD uh, bootlegs of Beatles and other stuff were, were starting to come out. So there was the, the series, the Unsurpassed Mastered series and the ultra rare tracks, whatever. So I would, when occasionally when I had, when I'd scrape up enough, enough, scrape up enough cash, I would go and buy one of these and just, just flip out at all the, the treasures that were on this. And then I would make tapes of it and, and I'd, we'd be driving around and say, Brendan, you got to hear this. Yeah. And I'd be playing all this stuff. And I remember sometimes <laughs> And you're talking about the differences between our, our musical brains yes. where we, we go in different directions sometimes, but you were, you would get caught up in the song and start singing it. And I'm like, no, shut up. Listen, listen to this part here. You're like, all right, God, let me get off my case, man. I, 
I'm I'm that way with live stuff too. Um, for me, live albums, and and we will return to the Beatles in just a moment. But live albums in general have never done much for me, unless they're amazing mm-hmm. live things. This is a, a famous amongst my friends people don't understand that they're like but you love those bands you love that music and i'm like yeah but the 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 perfect version is the the one the crafted version is the one that's in my head Mm -hmm. if i go see them live that's a different thing because i'm there the experience is different yes and it's like i'm watching them do it it's amazing yeah but listening to a you know a not great take on a you know they played Tacoma. It's a show from Tacoma from 1992 or something. And you're like, yeah, but they, you know, it's not as good as the one on the album. And people are like, so all the trading in like, oh, this is their stuff from the, you know, the rat skeller or whatever. It's like, or here's, here's another, um, them backing that. What's that? What's his name? Sheridan or whatever. I'm like, my body lies over the ocean. And I'm like, these are interesting, you know, they're little things, but yes, I would probably not be paying attention to like, listen to the change up that he just did. John just did this whole riff and I'm like going, well, it's the same. It's a song I like. It's just about <laughs> yeah. the song. I want to sing along the song and I'm not listening to like, uh, oh, I did a thing where I went boo boo instead of boo boo <laughs> But that is the difference. Um, yeah. I remember I, having that. That live album debate we had that driving yes. around. So I was like, I, okay, it was like, okay, I see your point, but and I said, well, and I, said <laughs> I remember saying, what about Stomach and Sense? And he said, yeah, but that's not a really live album. They they overdubbed a bunch of stuff. I'm like, all right, and I was thinking, okay, listen, I, there are you some. Heard, this was my thing. I was like, you haven't heard the live version of Abacab off Three Sides Live, and you said because we had this debate, like, which is better, the live version of Abacab? <laughs> <laughs> Or the, uh, you really prefer the studio version, which I understood. I was like, no, look, the live album is an improvement on it. You're like, no way. So we we drove around <laughs> listening to it. I made you listen to the whole thing. And we got to the end, and you're like, mm. I was like, come on. <laughs> no, I mean, again, I've heard some amazing live albums. And I will say this, Frampton Comes Alive really is a great live <laughs> album yeah. because this, the album versions of those songs are not the ones that got played. Because Phantom Comes Alive, those versions are much better. And so all of that stuff, you're like, oh, you listen to the originals and you're like, that's weak. <laughs> that's weak sauce. The yeah, live ones yeah. are great. So, I mean, there are there are plenty sure. of examples of that. But, yeah. but being a Beatles fan, I get it. It's like, how much can I find? How much more? And, of course, things like Beatles Anthology, which we'll talk about. And, um, and even stuff like Past Masters volume one and two anything that was like uh here are you may have even read about them if you've read the books like the recording sessions and been curious well now you're hearing them it's like oh that's great you know it's like i want to hold your hand in german yeah it's not going to be my favorite version but i'm still like going that's great and now i have it and you know my name look up the number (laughs) it's like i had read about it before i ever actually heard it and i'm like going Oh, this is the best. So, um, yeah, if you're a fan, and this is true of, of of anything, like, again, with Superman, if I could own every Superman-related anything, I would. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. if I had that money. So I, I mm-hmm. would totally, because Beatles is something that always, their music, their films, their personalities, as you were pointing out, all that stuff, 
um, comforts me. It all yeah. is, it's a warm place for me to go. I can be sad about the breakup. I can be sad about, but uh, again, uh, history has proven it, as you said, to not be as harsh as the public made it out to be. On the inside, it was just like friends needing to do their own thing and let's move on. Mm-hmm. But the breakup, Lennon's murder, George's death, every step along the way, it hasn't taken anything away from what the Beatles did. It's just uh, sad epilogues. And who knows how much longer we'll have with Paul and Ringo with us. But still, it's like, yeah, I I could. And in fact, when I knew we were doing this, I rewatched Hard Day's Night and Help. Oh, cool. Um, I've got the criterion of Hard Day's Night, um, which mm. is so nice. It is so great. Yeah. Um, and I have, I've got a decent version of Help, but I hadn't watched it in years. Hard Day's Night, I've watched pretty much once a year. Help is not great. (laughs) (laughs) I will return to Help occasionally and and go, wow, Richard Lester was doing some great stuff. This is a dumb script, boy. Yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Yeah. And slightly problematic. Problematic. You want to watch the Beatles in a a sea of brown face? Here you go. Yeah. Yeah, A bunch of white British actors doing bad Indian accents for comedy. Oh, boy. Right. And if you just mm. want to see, I mean, it's, it's, the, the thing that makes the movie fun is just knowing that they were stoned out of their gourds the entire yep, time. The entire time. So, and you can tell. Yeah. You definitely also, can you can also tell when you watch it how cold they were. Everywhere yeah. they went, it was like, why did you guys choose to make a movie in, you know, Britain and the Caribbean in the Bahamas in February? Because even the Bahamas, they're like going, <laughs> it was cold there. <laughs> I so guess that's the only month they had available. Like, <laughs> we're the Beatles. <laughs> we're freezing <laughs> our ass off. Anyway, yeah. Um, but yes, uh, so I, I I could watch it all all the time. I wish I had done Yellow Submarine. Now that I'm looking at behind your head, one thing I did not want to watch was Magical Mystery Tour. <laughs> it's not easy to watch. It's not easy to find now, is it? Right? It's is very it? true. Yeah, I mean, um, unless this Apple, is, this copy is, that I have. It's definitely not, it's not even, I mean, media, like what, I don't even know if it's like a, a bootleg copy of it or what. That is vintage, my friend. Oh, actually you can rent it on, uh, on Apple TV for three ninety nine. No way. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay. I wonder uh, if it's uh, I might do that later. No, I actually know I won't because I know <laughs> it and it's not good. It's not good. There, there are Meanwhile, few... let's see what the wizards are up to. Yeah. There's really only a couple. I mean, the musical interludes are great. The I Am the Walrus. Well, the music the video about it. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh, I Am the Walrus. Fool on the Hill. Great. Yeah. yeah, Fool on the Hill. And there, there is a scene, which is dumb, but I, I understand what they were going for with it. It has a certain kind of charm because there's the, they were kind of leaning in a more hey, like, Chad? chaotic. Chad, yeah. you've yes. got a certain kind of charm. Oh. <laughs> Cute. I said it. Are we in the Burt Bacharach moment? Yeah. You got a certain. Um, as long as we have a little horn section going. Anyway, they they uh, the the humor was which their humor always was kind of Python esque uh, before Python. The was Goon Show. Thing. Because they were huge fans of the Goon Show, and yes. as was Python. So yeah, yeah. 
So they they were their humor was a mixture of that and like Marx Brothers and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, so there's a lot of that, and and the, the best the best moments of Magical Mystery Tour and Help really are when they're just being ridiculously silly. Yeah. And in this one, I forget the name of the actor who who's play he plays a drill sergeant, and he's like going around barking these nonsensical orders at the at the pe- at the people on the bus that they they get off. It's like one of the planned stops on this tour. Yeah. And he was one of the go to character dude. He was one of their yeah, he was one of their, their good buddies. I can't remember his name. But anyway, he does that for a while and then he comes up to Ringo and, and Ringo just goes, Why? <laughs> Why? And it's just such a such a pure Ringo moment for that for him to have that line. That's one of the yes. moments in the film I, I do like because it's yes. Victor Spinetti, this the same Spinetti. guy who was in all of their movies. Yeah. Uh because he was the the T V yeah. director in Hard Day's yes. Night. Yes. Yeah. Very funny. I mean, but yes, it, it is a thing where uh, musically the world was definitely ready to go with them into their weird psychedelic things. Their timing was perfect. And here's the thing I'll also say, this is not even a, this is not my hot take. It It's pretty warm, mildly warm. Um, mm-hmm. The Stones, I am proud of them for still being around. I haven't heard the new album, <clears throat> but people are saying it's really good for a bunch of 80-year-olds. Yeah, I keep hearing that. And I'm happy for them. And do I like the Rolling Stones? I always have. There's great music there. I'm sorry. The debate isn't even there. because <laughs> the And, and I hate that it, people keep comparing them, and, and they shouldn't. But here's the thing. The Beatles, like you said they bridged and no one forced them. It wasn't a commercial thing where someone said, Hey guys, you know, what's coming in is like long hair and doing drugs and singing psychedelic stuff. No, they naturally went away and their talent didn't desert them. It was right there and it was sincere and it was natural. And you tell me another band that within, they were only together for 10 years. Uh, ish, yeah. but but you tell me another band that in that time period changed as drastically, uh, and also brought society with them. It's just not even measurable. You can't. And there were plenty there's, of bands that were that followed the same arc, but there's a crassness and commerciality to it. Like, no offense, Herman's Hermits, you were clearly um very popular. I mean, and I'm not pointing at them specifically, but a lot of bands are like, "Uh Oh, we're kind of in the Beatles mold. Now they're going there. Let's try it. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay. And you understand the monkeys were completely fabricated anyway. And then they're like, no, no, we want to do what our friends, the Beatles are doing. So let's get trippy. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, but dude, you're singing about dolphins. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I really, I really don't know if there are, I mean, there are plenty of other artists that, that we're both fans of that, that, that were similarly uh, diverse or, or eclectic in their sure in their career. But I don't really think there's anybody else who was as eclectic as they were from album to album Mm-mm. and enjoying the same, it's the same degree and like, not just the same degree of success, but still, <laughs> exponentially getting more bigger and bigger and bigger as they went along. Yeah. No matter what, how crazy they got because they, there was just something about them. And because there's, you know, later we had bands, there were plenty of bands throughout the seventies who, who did this, the prog rock bands, you know, yes. uh, they all went, Genesis went on this heart, this arc, 
they became more popular as they got more commercial. That was a completely different thing, really. Yeah, it's a different and arc. Yeah, where they started extremely experimental, then they became commercial. Yeah, and David yes, Bowie. did the same thing too. Bowie, um, yes, but Bowie, Bowie is made always a career out of being a chameleon. Yes. but his career would dip and yes, <laughs> and putt bouncing and in and out of like I'm way too experimental for what people yes. are doing, and then suddenly a couple of hits and he's commercial, and they're like, oh, finally he's come, and then he'll go off again. And so he is his own thing too. Yeah, yeah. Talking it is, heads would experiment, but not quite to the, the same degree of you know. I will say that they uh, again talk about an amazing band that wasn't together for an incredible amount of time, but still, I would say even their first to their last, because it's primarily, and I'm, you know, I'm joining that thing. It's mostly David Byrne. So David Byrne's sensibilities didn't really change musically of course they were very experimental but you can listen to the very first thing they did and the very last thing they did and still know it's the same band i'd say with the beatles it's just more extreme oh, and it's, it's it, like yeah, yeah it's skiffle skiffle band that is suddenly just like yeah out there mm-hmm. oh, i was man. reminded of that with with now and then the new single that came out because yes. when you listen to it on streaming it's paired with you know Poetically, they deliberately put it with a remix of their first single, Love yep. Me Do. And uh, so, <laughs> it's, I, I, but I'm not having to actually been able to, I didn't have the patience to actually listen to this new mix of Love Me Do yet. Because I, after I'm, I'm just carried away by this new song and this new thing, that start, or the old song plays. And it is so disparate. It's like, I no, not right now. I can't. This doesn't, doesn't sound <laughs> anything right like what I just listened to. So, Do you, do you want to talk about the new song? You yeah, want to dive in? might as well in? get in there, yeah. Um, did you know, did you have any idea that now and then was, was out there before? This I was didn't announced? know it was coming. No. Yeah. I mean, it would totally caught him by surprise. That's and why I fact, sent you that demo. Cause I figured maybe you had, yeah, I'm it. glad you did on, um, I remember, I think I was on, uh, probably on Apple TV and I, you know, the streaming service and it had a thing called Beatles now and then. And I was like, because all I'm thinking is like, oh, is that going to be another like tribute thing or or something like right. um, we've been getting with the Peter Jackson, you know, amazing, amazing stuff. Yeah. But uh, so I just looked at it. I was like, mm, I ignored it. And then I was like, then there was a, like the new Beatles song. I was like, what? And then realized it oh, had wow. been sitting there the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I will say, oh. Well, I want to hear your take on the song, but also your take on Peter Jackson's video. Uh, yes, <laughs> I, I I love it, but it's 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 uh yeah, it's it's it wants very moving, you know, deliberately. I wouldn't say cloying, but you know, they they cut to like the first the first moment where they they cut to uh, right when they say every now and then I miss you, and they cut to the shot, the slow motion shot of John and George at Shea yeah. Stadium, like yeah, uh, okay. But I, I, I was tearing up and my heart was swelling throughout the whole thing. Some people have said like it's oh it's too silly because it's it's a you know it's a they do really the st- the blending of the the AI CG blending of old them with new them or new yeah. them current day yeah. them and it is a little goofy. I will say that the moments that work are the in other words I think they could have just done it as a, a montage of old and them but then mixing them together it's a little goofy and i will say that old ringo and old paul 
like at the mics look like they were dropped in like blue well, they screen. were that's the thing that's unfortunate is that they they didn't record or film this video together in the same way. I know. Ringo's in Los Angeles, I think, and Paul's yep. in London. And so you get a lot lives. of like them kind of looking over, and you know that they're, they're looking over at the vending machine. So I think I think Peter <laughs> Jackson realized in order to make this work, he had to put in these other weird elements to kind of liven it up. Yeah. Because if it was just the two of them, it would have been it would have sucked. The absolute <laughs> best thing for me oh. in it uh, was literally the last shot, which is great. The, which the is the, the stage shot, which is their setup from, from Hard Day's Hard Day's Night. Night. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, you know, and it does kind of the color to black and white thing. And you're just like, oh, dude. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. it's reverse. But still, I, I think. Yes, of course. I I, my heart that, swelled. <laughs> yeah. But that's the thing. People say, oh, it's too silly because it's a serious song and they're doing silly stuff. But I, I find the silliness to be just as heart tugging. As, as the as the seriousness of the song, because I miss these guys, you know. That's and the thing. You see them. That's what I think. That's what Peter Jackson was trying to do, because he is a bona fide diehard Beatles fan. Absolutely, was, I think he was trying to recapture their their silliness, their, their humor. The reason why his nine hour documentary <laughs> is yes. so important, and not everyone, I guess, had. Even Beatles fans, I, I've heard some people like, "Well, I watched the first half and felt great, and that I didn't need to watch all of it." And I'm like, it, it really does pay off to watch all of it. But the thing is, is it puts you there. And why mm. it's so important is, as you were pointing out, is that it corrects what Let It Be led us to believe. And I still mm. like Let It Be quite a bit. But Let It Be told a different narrative and it mm. because they were shrinking it down. And they also yeah. didn't set out to shoot the last, you know, Beatles. But right. they're like, oh, my God, we're seeing it all dissolve. Mm-hmm. And the nice thing about Jackson's giving it all that room is you see that it isn't this huge spat drama. One of the best things is you know that the their time is numbered, their days are numbered when you're watching that Peter Jackson thing, but they have the exact same chemistry. They're still buddies. Yeah. They're still yeah. joking with each other. Yes, Yoko's there and that's weird, but at the same time, when Paul and John are just talking and the mic, hot mic is picking them up, they're just the same teenagers, man. They're just mm-hmm. like still riffing on each other. I'm like, yes, more of that all yeah. day long. Their yeah. friendship is a huge, as you said, huge part of the appeal. They're uh, all farmers. But if they were literally businessmen going in going, I can't bear this look of your face or whatever. It's like, it's like, just talk to my manager or whatever. No, these guys were in sync and watching them riff on stuff and just like noodle. You're like, yeah. Oh, and I think that's why now and then has such huge emotional weight. The part Mm -hmm. part of the value of seeing the videos that you do have, it's not just the silly, the silly archival footage they throw in there. It's the actual footage of them making the song. Yes. You do. We do see what we never saw before is as John Paul and Ringo working on it back in 1995, um, which is cool. There's just a little bit. You can not, there not wasn't John. Much, you, you mean sorry, George? Sorry. Yeah, George Paul <laughs> Yeah. Uh, working on it back in 1995, which obviously there wasn't, must not have been very much footage because there's not much in the video because they didn't well, but Yeah, because they, they were like, uh, I'm sure that Jeff Lynn was like, guys, it's not going to work as well yeah. as the other two. It may have uh, just been like one day that they they worked on it. So yeah, let's let's just, let's, let's go but back. But still, to you hear George's guitar. What he did yeah. back then, it's on there, and it's like, oh, yeah. that's great. 
and it, they don't. I, I'm hoping somebody at some point is going to do a breakdown and, and tell us exactly what's what. I would like because that. I think I think I know where George's guitar is on there, and there there is this guitar. It's kind of a different rhythm guitar that comes in like the second and third verse, yeah, which is very one of the parts you hear in free as a bird mm-hmm. of horror. not exactly the same, but it's kind of a similar kind of, uh, syncopated rhythm, uh, that's different from the backbeat, uh, that he's doing. I have a feeling that's probably what George was playing. And then there's the down, down, do there, which is sort of like a yeah. let it be yeah. thing riff that he does going into the chorus. But, but, uh, when you see that footage of Paul, you know, overseeing the, the score, recording you know, Giles Martin's uh, and his score that they did for it. And you see him just, just Giles Martin, that guy continues the, to impress too. Yeah. Uh, this, this song was, that's the thing the video really drives home for me is how important this song was for Paul to finish that this was his old partner. You yep. know, he never really had another creative partner the way that he and John uh, worked together. And he didn't even really try ever to replace John. And even, no, even I mean, anyone he worked Costello, with, they would be uncomfortable for him. Yeah, a little uncomfortable. Uh, I think that uh, he, he collaborated with everyone he worked with. Sure. I think that that you always hear about, you know, how Wings worked. It wasn't just the Paul McCartney show because he is a musician that likes a band. And yes. then it's like, oh, that's great. That's great what you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like, just do what I tell you. All right. You have signed right. up you're now part of the McCartney machine. No. So yeah. a lot of the great tracks that he created post Beatles still have lots of musicians and collaborators fingerprints on it. Mm-hmm. But, um, and I, but I do love the Elvis Costello collaboration. I mean, oh I think that was, yeah. if nothing else, it was challenging for Paul, which is good because mm-hmm. he probably hadn't been challenged in so long mm-hmm. where it's like, Oh, I have to, meet this other talent and this is a very different personality and i think this is why that now and then was a challenge that he really wanted to tackle number one well you know because hugely obviously because it's john and he knew this is this was as they as they're building this this maybe oh peter jackson has a different theory about this which we'll touch on in a minute oh Oh, peter jackson uh this was you know, essentially going to be the last time that all four of them could be on one recording together that they had actually all actively participated in at some point. In a way, this was a, a, an opportunity for Paul to be challenged and to, yeah. if, you listen, if you listen to that demo, which I, I'd sent it to you yesterday, yeah. and you listen to that original demo, you really very quickly realize how much work Paul put into making this song actually as good as it is. Yes. The, demo's not, the demo isn't crap, but it is very different from the finished product. And it's also, that's the thing. It's very unfinished. Yeah. It is a voice. Yeah. It's a voice and piano. And, and while I, I do agree that the part that they, they paced over that little bridge, they made the right choice mainly because you can tell lyrically, I think John knew that that was like a placeholder. It, It didn't, it doesn't go anywhere. He didn't. Yeah. The core of it is literally the verse sections, which is where the, the, title comes from the thing with that song that i'm really loving both versions including the demo Mm -hmm. um yes you can tell it's definitely a john lennon you know composition but even for john these are and i'm not mr i don't i don't can't read music i don't talk music construction but 
these um these chords the the whole thing it's it's like weirdly for john lennon back in 1977 it already has an instinctively uh looking back morose it's a sad chord thing but very beautiful and mm-hmm. it just doesn't sound like uh choices he is making at that time because i'm familiar with john's work from the the end of his life and all of his solo stuff and you sit even for john you're like oh that's an interesting composition that john came up with because it doesn't sound like what he was doing at that time mm-hmm. and i love it because it is atypical and yet it's totally him and you go right so i mean obviously i think he that's why the lyrics were like but now and then the whole thing is is I think he was like, yeah, this music sounds like it is someone saying like, oh, I'm looking back on things we had and I'm appreciating it and da, da, da. It is Mm -hmm. really almost saccharine. It's almost a Paul McCartney. (laughs) It's John doing a Paul song, which is why this kind of sounds like a perfect thing for them to have collaborated Mm -hmm. on, even Mm -hmm. though Paul wasn't collaborating with them in 1977. Right. And I, I... Because this song had to grow on me. When I first heard it, I was coming back uh, from Ireland. I was on the plane, and my mm. ears were all stuffed up because I, I came home with a with a sinus with congestion. So when when I when the plane from Dublin was landing, Ireland into, uh, will do that to you. Newark, Ireland will do that to you. When we're coming down, uh, I don't know if you ever had this when you're on a plane when you when the plane's descending, and if, if you're if you're already congested, yeah. Yeah. your ears seize yeah. up. You can't hear that shit. Do you do the so and pop yeah. your ears on purpose? I tried. That didn't work in this case. No. But anyway, so that, that's when the song was, was made available that day. And I couldn't stream it on the plane. So I, I tried to listen to it in during the layover in Newark. And I could ah. barely hear it. Like, ah. And I listened to it. My my ears opened up again on the flight to Houston from Newark. And, and that, that's when I was able to – I downloaded it. And I was able to listen to it on the plane a bunch of times. And then, of course, my ears seized up again. <laughs> it took days for my ears to go back to normal. So it wasn't until like a day or two ago that I was actually able to, to listen to the song in full stereo again. Yeah, <laughs> because this, yeah. Because this, this one ear was all stuffed up. But anyway, when I first heard it, initially I was like, I, I dug it. Because there's that documentary where they show you where how they isolated John's voice using right. Peter Jackson's uh, you know machine learning technology, the same one he used in Get Back. And that was, yeah, that was the first time I'd heard that. And I, I was... My heart—it was like my heart stopped. Which it's I, unbelievable. I was, it's, it's unbelievable. Amazing. But my nitpicky brain was was, which was familiar with the, with the from the demo from years ago because I got that on bootleg like thirty years ago. Really? Um, yeah, it, it had been in circulation for a long time, um, and uh, so I was like, "Well, oh, they didn't put that in, and and uh, why why did they take the I don't want to lose you part out, and and what oh this guitar solo I know." It was supposed to sound like George, but it really doesn't. I was like really picking it apart way too much. I was being a little bit too, yeah, a little too analytical. And uh, but the more time I had to listen to it, and especially after seeing the video, I've heard a lot of people say this that the video kind of helped the people kind of connect with it. Yeah, because you get to see the faces of the people who made it. I yeah, that has something to do with it, and you really get to see Paul's investment in the song in that video. Yeah. That's 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 really why that video is so valuable. I think. And, and then it really started growing me and I realized all oh, the parts that they took out made the song better. And this was an example of Paul sort of collaborating with John Yeah, through time. He and still it's has, beautiful. it's beautiful in a way. He's yes. He still has the same 
because that's how they collaborated. Really, there was almost always one of them had the song. The other guy made it better in, bo- in both ways. Yeah. It yeah. was almost like, you know, it'd be better is what if you did, you know, that kind of thing where they're like mm-hmm. able to, without tearing the other person down, say, oh, I love that. But what if it did this instead? And yeah. that is beautiful. It wasn't literally, I don't think ever them literally sitting there going, what da, 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 across from each other, maybe when they were like really first starting out. But mm-hmm. the idea that they were 50 50 on a song, I just don't think so. One of them came in as like, oh, I was tinkering around. This is called stra- scrambled eggs. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the idea that, yes, decades later, Paul is able to come in and go, oh, because he's a brilliant songwriter too. He's yeah. like, that's a little weak. You know what yeah. would make it better is if it went here. And that's it. what I really love is that that brilliant mind needs, like you're saying, it needs the challenge. And I think, yeah. and I, I, it's not fair because I haven't really listened to a lot of his recent solo records. I know I have some of it. I know some of it is really cool. If he's got some weird and slightly, you know, off the beaten track the kind of stuff on there. Stuff. Yeah. But he, he, when he, when he's faced with that challenge, and I think that's what John did is John challenged him. And uh, he, that's the thing about the song. that's just so, it just gets me. Man. Here's the thing. Me. And I love both of their solo output, just like I love George's solo output, but they were always better together. I think that Paul McCartney, one of the greatest tunesmiths in history, like just with an unbelievable natural ideas for hooks and just an amazing pop songwriter. And most of the, the solo stuff that the, I'm always like, yeah, but lyrically a lot of it is goofy um, Mm. because that's where his brain goes. And I think he, he's always been very like, Oh, that's a clever bit. You know, he likes a cute pun. He likes funny little things. I think it, he needed a John always yeah. to come in and say, that's a little pat, yeah. you know, that's a little cheesy. What if you did this? And that's the sad thing is that I can sit there and listen to McCartney all day, but I'm like, oh, that's, that's goofy, man. Which is yeah. why a Costello is an amazing wordsmith. That was probably some of the best stuff that McCartney did in, in the later years or you know, in the eighties, yeah, ladies. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, wow, there's actual weight instead of all mm-hmm. of it being feather light. And you're like, oh, I like when uh, a little darkness comes in, and it is pat to say John brought the dark and the edge, but he did. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. everybody, he did because that's yeah, the way did. his brain worked. Right. Um, uh, yeah. No. So the song I really like, like I told you in the text, for me, the only bad thing about this thing is that it came in 2023 when, and I love Paul, but the voice is, is pretty much gone. And I think, well, it's not gone. He's just not what he used to be. No, it's it. Yeah, that's true. It's it. The age is in it. So it wobbles and it's very frail and you're like, Oh, I mean, he's hitting all the notes, but it's, uh," so they've mixed them very low in it. Right. And I, I think that, that some people have said that maybe that's one of the reasons why. Because that was one of the things I was disappointed when I first heard it. I was like, I was expecting because I knew how Harmonies. unfinished the song was. Yeah. Well, I was expecting I was expecting something like "Free as a Bird," where he, yeah. where he went and he and George yes, both actually filled, had a filled the empty section. spaces by singing. Yes. Yeah. 
I thought for sure that's what he would do with it. I don't want to lose you. I thought Paul yeah. would come in and finish that. Yeah. And uh, it didn't occur to me that, you know, maybe either he couldn't sing it or Larry, there's a bunch of different reasons, but this song really just works so well. Even their Oz, you know, I was like, oh yeah, the Oz were sampled. They they, took that from, yeah, from Abbey Road or whatever. Yeah. Uh, Which is, I kind of give that, it is a little weird, but I give that a pass because that's that's something that Giles Martin had been doing with uh, like love and stuff. So they kind of blended a few of those things together to make this happen. But that, that was the thing is like, well, I really hope that Paul would put more of himself into this one. And, but I think it's more than the fact that his voice doesn't sound the same anymore. I think that it was really important to him to lift John up and this last chance that he had to do this. Yeah. And yeah. It's almost like he's producing, it's Paul McCartney producing a John Lennon solo. Right yeah. Here. Yeah. 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 And that again, beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful idea. I love that idea. That's it's what a, we have. It's, yes. And, uh, oh. and hats off to technology, which will destroy us all someday. But at the same time, the ability to take, and you, you listen to that demo and I'm really glad you sent me that link. It is stark. It's beautiful because John sitting at a piano, which I know is how all these things came around, uh, the later Beatles songs. Um, it's fine on its own, but it's a demo and recorded on old cassettes. Mm-hmm. So you listen to the original and you're like, holy hell, because what they were able to do with the technology, because Jeff Lynn did a really good job back in the nineties with what he had, but you can tell it's like, well, let's put some effects on this because we can't hide tape hiss or whatever it is. Yeah. Da. And so John's voice sounds really processed and and weird. At the same time, I think Free as a Bird is still the best of. I mean, it's it's, it's the reason they launched that one first is because sure. yeah, that's that's it's the a, one. it's a great song. Yeah, it's a great song, and that video is still and the, unbelievable. Yeah, that's the, oh yeah, that's what I was going to say earlier. You can't you know as fun as that the now and then video is. You can't beat the Free as a Bird. You can't beat the Free as a Bird my, video. That was my God. It's just such a, a brilliant piece of work. Yeah. Oh God. Like but you're anyway, drifting through a dreamscape. Of, where uh, where it's just Easter eggs, but without mm-hmm. being it. Well, I mean, it's all very on the nose. But at the same time, there's stuff in there you could still discover years later and go, "Oh, I never caught that." It's on the oh. yeah, it's on the nose, but it's not really shoved in your face because it's, no. it's presented as this uh, like a. Um, a collage, like a dreamlike yes. collage, like you're drifting and through somebody's the, imagination. Yes, and the, the sweeping camera through it all, being the yeah. bird and all that, and then just ending up on the stage with the little the little ukulele and the dick, yeah. dick, 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 and they're like, ah, yeah, so good. Anyway. Oh, I hope, and I'm pretty sure they've probably already done it, but they're probably sitting on it as, they, as Apple tends to do with this stuff, uh, that they probably have already gone back and done the same you know, get back Peter Jackson treatment to John's vocals on those other on real love. You think? Crazy Bird. I'm probably, I'm, I guarantee you they have. You don't think that they just put a stamp and said done? No, but I, mean, I think now that they have that technology, they could go back. They've already actually in 2015, they did put out remixes of both of those songs ah. um, on the one, so on the new the technology's one. gotten better. Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to do it again. And I think people have been talking about what, because they, every yearly they've been coming out with these new refurbished versions of things. Yeah. There's a lot of talk that they're going to do a, a new expanded version of the anthology. And that's probably when they're going to re-release those other two songs. Um, and hopefully I'm, I would hope at that point they put out a, a different mix. I would like to hear a remix of now and then that accentuates the string arrangement more because I want to hear those strings more. Cause that's really good. 
He's he's Anyways. put that out there. That's Chad's so. wish. Um, no, I'm down for that. And again, anthology. I when that first came out, I was like, they can't ever top that. But maybe they just keep making it better. <laughs> I loved it, even though it was just uh, literally all the modern day stuff with them sitting on a lawn with ukuleles. I'm like, mm-hmm. ukuleles, and it was just like George is really into ukulele right now. Okay. <laughs> Um, but I, I loved every second of it. And this, like you said, um, we'll never have a perfect, uh, final Beatles anything, but, uh, I really like the song and John sounds fucking amazing, but it was 1977 John, of course. And so he, and the way they cleaned it up, it's, it sounds like it was recorded yesterday. So so here's something that Peter Jackson said that I was alluding to earlier. Oh yeah, that he was he was interviewed somewhere I forget where. It's a re- very recent interview where he goes off just being the nerd. He can't help himself. Uh, he said, "Well, you know, really, because he had the, maybe he had been asked about is this really the last Beatles song?" He says, "Well, I mean, technically, we could do more <laughs> because no, he knows technically he is, he is so familiar with the with the expansive." Right. Uh, he was referring to all the stuff that he that he reviewed for the Get Back film. There's tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of material there, and he knows that there are unfinished songs that could be worked up and and, and finished. You know, so he knows that. But he's like, well, I haven't talked also, to Paul or Ring about this, but technically, it's it's possible. So he's. I mean, in a in a possibly nightmare scenario, which might still be there. That's why I say morbidly curious and morbidly fascinating is that they could at this point they could have paul say i would have sung something along the lines of this and then they could go back and they can program young paul sure just like they're doing with the star wars stuff where it's like yeah james earl jones hasn't said anything as darth vader in years they just have his voice and they can plug in whatever they want so Mm -hmm. it could be paul saying like this was what my vocal line would be. And they're like, great. Mm-hmm. Now let's have 28-year-old Paul McCartney vocals uh, do what he says he would be singing. Yeah. And we probably and wouldn't even be able to tell. Well, and whether we want that or not, people not are going to be doing that. And that's yeah. that's the thing. It's a, little, it's a little scary, but it's also like, okay, we just kind of have to If it's in service of old it. material. In other words, if it's like you're saying where they they did something is just like a, they were noodling but there's the base of a song that bases of a song there and they can clean stuff up and make it studio clean. Mm-hmm. We might have a new Beatles song. That was really something that they did just mm-hmm. technically tinkered with, but yeah. it's when they start saying, we're going to write a new Beatles song and the Beatles are gone, but we have their mm-hmm. voices and we can, yeah. we can uh, emulate their, mu- their musicianship. Yeah. That I, it makes me uncomfortable, but I know people have already actually already done it. So you can find these things really? on, on YouTube. Yeah, they're not very good, but there people are to already tried are taking a crack at this. Oh, um, yeah, I know. Uh, but that that was the thing about the song that it's like I I want more. You know, it's like it's like, like as if this little portal to an alternate universe right. opened up where they John kept going. Didn't die. Yeah, yeah. And this one song fell out. You're like, oh, wait, come back. <laughs> <Is it? laughs> That's, this isn't enough. Give me more. Yeah. I, I see it all as, I mean, every step along the way as a fan, uh, every step along the way, whether it's a new documentary or 
old tracks or whatever it is. I see them as gifts. It's like, thank you. None of it will compare with the canonical stuff. Those original albums, those original songs, the singles, that is the stuff. Everything else, icing on the cake. But the cake itself is never going to go away. Um, so I, I, uh, I'm glad I grew up a Beatles fan. They're just the best, yo. <laughs> I mean, they're no village people, but um, YMCA. As far as I know, they never spelled anything out except for in semaphore. They did spell out help. <laughs> uh, I also love that you have the ruddles uh, along with it, too. Yeah. I have always thought in the back of my mind, cheese and onions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah sadly, that's another guy that we lost. I know. In years, Neil Ennis. Neil Ennis. People don't. I, I, I've often tried to, to hit people to this, that it's not just a parody. The, the music, the songs are actually really good. <laughs> uh, uh, there are some, uh, there are a few instances where people who did parody were so good and also really good songwriters Mm -hmm. that it's as good ish. Mm -hmm. And so I love the Ruddles. It it is really great alternate Beatles stuff, all wacky. And Mm -hmm. I say one of my favorite comedies, which was still underrated to this day is walk hard and walk hard's uh, soundtrack. Those songs are all kickers, man. They're all Mm -hmm. great. And they're parroting multiple genres of music. And they just nail it. And I'm just sitting there going, I can listen to this all day long. These are good songs. They're hilarious, but they're just, they're good. Um, So, yes, it takes a special talent to be able to say, yeah, I'm just going to do a riff on it. And it turns out to be also really good. Yeah. there You can listen to any, like, uh, obviously the original Ruddles, not so much the ones that came later, but they were still pretty good. But uh, you just sit there going like, (laughs) you know exactly what era they're mocking. And of course, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap is another thing where it's like they nailed everything so hard that the songs Mm -hmm. themselves are classics. But Mm -hmm. you sit there going like, oh yeah, that's them doing um, their early blues influence stuff. This is them mocking the psychedelic stuff. Here's they're doing their baby. You can drive my car. Uh, It's just all good. All good. Yeah. What else is there to say? What else is there to say other than um, thanks for uh, watching us just gush and reminisce about the Beatles for two hours? Well, not two hours. <laughs> well, yeah. But we are um, obviously fans. Hopefully you are too. If not, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, I'm surprised you lasted this long, if yeah. that's the case. Go watch something about the Barbie movie. <laughs> I don't know what all that means, um, which I enjoyed as well. And yes. also has some really good songs on the soundtrack. Are there any movies worth going to see right now? Oh, well, Mar- I, did, about to come out, right? I did finally see Killers of the Flower Moon, which I'm sure it's in its last week or two. It was amazing. Okay. All three and a half hours of it. Brilliant. Loved Oof. it. Um, yeah. And Scorsese talking about, you know, an elder person still at the top of their game. That guy can make a movie. He's going places, that Martin Scorsese. Uh, <laughs> yes, this week the Marvels comes out. I'm going to go see it on Thursday. Uh, I'm I'm excited. All this crap about, is this the death of Marvel? Marvel keeps going down. They don't know what they're doing anymore. And meanwhile, I'm sitting there going, I've enjoyed everything they've done. 
<laughs> in, in varying degrees. I mean, sure. yes, I can pick out the really high watermarks, but yeah. I don't think they've done anything that was shit or crap. It's like uh, season yeah. two of Loki. I'm thoroughly enjoying See, it. Oh God. That, well, that, that is, that is, uh, yeah. I, I think that, 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 that show is head and shoulders above uh, pretty much almost everything they've done in it's, the last couple of years. It's so I, good. I think like Spider-Man or uh, no way home. That was my last really, really, I think really just excellent Marvel movie. This is like in a class of its own. I mean, Loki is like, it's its own thing. Almost. It's Loki it's is, is amazing stuff. And, and it's, uh, people who are sleeping on it, I get it. People are tired of, do I have to see everything to make sense out of it? And now Marvel's like, okay, we're going to stop doing that. You're going to be able to watch Echo without having seen Hawkeye. You know, it's like Echo's coming up. It looks pretty brutal. Have you seen mm-hmm. the trailer for Echo? Yeah, yeah, just Woo. yesterday. I think. Woo. But it's pretty clear now from the reports coming out that, and this has been reported multiple times from multiple sources, that... Marvel was uh, this was something that happened during the pandemic uh, at the directive of Bob, Bob Chapek, who is now gone from Disney. Mm-hmm. He he was of the mind that we just more content. Everybody just make as much shit as you possibly can, and just unst- yeah. you know this torrent of content. So Marvel was under all this pressure to produce way more than they were really capable of put, putting out while maintaining quality control. Yeah, and it, and then the pandemic and then dealing with the pandemic at the same time was it was just uh, I think that's probably the main reason why things seem to be going off the rails in the last couple of years. But I really don't to understand. Me like they're, they're, it seems to me that they're regaining control now. Well, a lot of uh, also a lot of the, the critical stuff that's coming out now, I think it was a variety article. Uh, I bet you guys didn't expect to get some Marvel at the end of your Beatles. I wasn't sure podcast. we were going to get to this either. Yeah. No, I mean, we can make this short because it actually deserves perhaps more, more chatty chat, sure. but I'll say this a lot of the critical things is basically saying they've lost their tent pole characters and therefore people just aren't as invested. They're like going, sure. They gave very well thought out arcs to Iron Man, Captain America, Thor is still out there, but they're basically like they wrapped them up. And then like going, now Marvel's expecting you to care about Ant-Man. Now they're expecting you to care about, you know, uh, Loki and Captain Marvel and all these other characters, Shang-Chi. And I'm like, well, yeah, <laughs> I, I I mean, again, for me, you don't need the marquee names because they have had their time. And Marvel has such a deep, deep catalog of amazing characters that to me, as long as the stories are good, I will go see a million Shang-Chi movies if they wanted to make them. Uh, I, you know, do Ghost Rider again. Can't wait. Uh, they've got Blade coming up. Yes. Because to me, these are all deserving, you know, of a TV show or a movie or whatever it is. But I do agree that pacing them out, taking their time, giving mm-hmm. us something really amazing. Yeah. So that's fine Felix, with me. What did you think about? This was pretty amazing. They, they, I guess they had filmed half the season of Daredevil this new season, and they just said, "Nope," threw it all out, and they're starting over from ground zero. I, don't, I just don't know. I just don't I, know. I have to say, I, I, I'm hoping that that means I'm hoping that that is good news that they did mm-hmm. that because I have to be honest, I was very worried after seeing the way that um, uh, Kingpin was portrayed in the Hawkeye. Hawkeye show. I was like, "This is not the same character." 
And Daredevil and, and She-Hulk was was good, but it was like they were you know they were going for high camp in that in that show. So it was like I'm not really sure what's going. On. Of course, I loved his his brief appearance in No Way Home. I thought was perfect. Yeah. So that that was that was nice. Yeah. But my I was my worry was okay. They don't have any of the original showrunners from Netflix, and it, if they're really that show was was an amazing achievement. And mm-hmm. if they if they're going to continue with the same cast, or well, well, some of the same, you know, the main the two main people from the cast. And you're not even, you know, you're not recasting Daredevil or starting, you're not really rebooting the character or anything. And you're, you've got to at least try to continue that degree of quality. Well, there was also, I'm I'm hoping that that's why they ditched this. Like, oh, this is not good enough. You know what I'm going to do? I'm putting a pin in this. We need to do a whole show and I can't go on. No, I, I, that, that just means I'm getting really excited about it. And also I'm pulling from my own brain, like what I've read and little things. Mm -hmm. I'm like going, no, 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 that's another hour. So yeah, Yeah. we will. Hey, tune in. We need (sighs) to get to the bottom of that, uh, and get back into talking about all kinds of rumors about the DC stuff. Uh, they keep dropping trailers for Aquaman, and you're like, I feel bad for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you seen Blue Beetle yet? Have you still not? No, I, I assume it's on streaming now. Yeah, th- yeah it is. You yeah, should I check think it I out. When I saw Barbie, I was attempt. I was intending yes. to see Blue Beetle, yeah. but I hit the wrong movie. <laughs> it was like just a B name. Yeah. So really, sorry. You, know, you went and you're intended. like, why is this Barbarella? Yeah. That movie came out in 1968. Why am I watching Jane Fonda naked? Hello? Hello? You're all alone in the theater. Yeah. I was like, you hit the button, man. (laughs) I love the idea of a projectionist going, I don't know. We sold a seat. Let me dig. There it is. Playing Barbara. One guy. (laughs) We'll talk about that kind of stuff next week. I'm glad you're back from Ireland. I'm sure our fans, all 500 and... <laughs> However many there are, uh, yeah. are happy that you're back and we're chatting again. Yeah, and we're chatting. That I, I am way behind as again on everything. We're about. I'm about to work on a you're Halloween busy. episode the week after. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but did yeah. that not come out? No, no, yeah, that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done the Halloween, or I shouldn't have steered us in that direction. No, that's okay. So, uh, oh well. It'll delight people. They'll be like, so be "Oh yeah, Halloween." Yeah. You'll yeah. be said I was celebrating that for uh, for Thanksgiving. It bro. just it's <laughs> for the proof that we're retro. It's because we're even retro about like a month before. A month before. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, I'll see you next week, Mister Man. All Take right, man. care. Sounds good. All right, and thank you all. Oh, and yeah, please join us on Patreon. Yeah, yes. you'll get to see these episodes long before anybody else mm-hmm. does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I still haven't seen the Brazil episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That is going to come out this year, by the way. I was thinking probably uh, since it is a Christmassy thing, maybe I'll mm. put it out You know, after maybe on Black Friday or something like that. I don't know. Just to get us into that spirit. Love it. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Bye. See you guys. Ha, ha, ha.